The Bible Study Podcast, episode 121. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Luke in Luke 11. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We left off the study of Luke in chapter 11 and verse 13 with the Lord's Prayer, and we'll continue on in verse 14. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. It then goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And in the final condition of that man is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So this is an interesting section, and I would say not an altogether clear section, talking about the driving out demons and about Beelzebub. Beelzebub being the devil, Lord of the Flies, I believe is the literal translation of it. So Jesus is driving out demons driving out this demon who is causing a man to be mute. And everyone is amazed, and so they seek explanations. And some believe, some think that this is something bad going on, that this is the devil driving out his own demons, that somehow the, if Jesus has power over the demons, he must be in league with the devil. And then others who aren't sure, and so they ask for a sign. And so Jesus deals first with those who say his power comes from the devil. He says they're wrong, just in case you didn't pick that up. And he uses this phrase that is probably better known in this country, in the U.S., for its use during the American Civil War. This was a phrase that Lincoln picked up. A house divided against itself will fall. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And he says that it's not because he's in league with Satan, but basically because he is coming with the power of God, which is stronger. And uses this analogy of, if you're going to rob somebody who's a strong man, who's fully armed, who guards his own house, you need to be stronger to take away that which that strong man has. And that's what he has done here. He has taken away this person from the devil. He has taken them away because they were possessed by the demon, not even being able to speak because of that demon possession. And then it's interesting, in other places in the Bible, we'll read that 
Jesus says, whoever isn't against me is for me. Here he says the same thing except the opposite. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. But basically we have people here who are reacting against Jesus, people who are reacting for, and then these others who aren't sure. And he's saying you have to pick a side. You can't be neutral in this fight between Jesus and the devil. There is no neutrality. There is no Switzerland in this battle. You are with him or you are with the devil. The punctuation here is the aside that this woman is calling out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth. And he's saying, no, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And before we get there, we have this interesting paragraph, and I don't know what to do with it. And I think it's been tough for scholars to know what to do with it, that says that somebody who has this demon driven out, the demon is going to go around the world, and then he's going to come back and find this house swept clean and put in order. And he's going to go get his buddies, and they're going to take up house, and it's going to be worse than before. Well, is he saying that there's no point in driving out demons? I don't think so, because he just did. I think what he is saying, and the best interpretation that I have heard, is that a house won't remain empty. That if it isn't filled then by God, if that strong man doesn't remain, then that first strong man is going to come back. Basically, this again, I think, is a verse consistent with the rest of these verses here that says you have to pick a side. You have to be full of something. You have to be full of God or you have to be full of the devil. You have to be obedient to God or obedient to the devil. There is no neutral ground. And Luke goes on. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, This is a wicked generation. It asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at judgment with men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now one greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. And this addresses that third group who are saying they want a sign. He says, you're going to get the sign of Jonah. Jonah who was in the belly of the fish for three days and nights, and Jesus who will be in the grave and will rise on the third day. And then he compares the teaching of Solomon to the teaching of Jesus, the message of Jonah to the message of Jesus, and saying, how can you still ask for a sign? At the last day, the Ninevites are going to rise up from the grave and they're going to testify against you that they had a lesser prophet and they listened and they repented. Why didn't you? And Luke goes on, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light. When they are bad, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be completely lighted as when the light of the lamp shines on you. Okay, what does that mean? (laughs) I wasn't sure what to do with this, and so I got some help from a book that I found on Google called A Rabbi Looks at Jesus Parables that tells us a little bit about the Hebrew interpretation, the Jewish interpretation of this. And he says, in the Hebrew Bible, eyes expressed a person's deepest emotions and mental states. 
Brightness of the eyes was a sign of physical and emotional well-being, dimness a signal of emotional distress. Arrogance, humility, pity, and mockery were clearly visible in a man's eyes. You know how it is when you're trying to sum somebody up. You want to look them in the eye. Even today, we believe that you can see someone's character in their eyes. And I think that does give us an interesting clue in this. This idea of the the eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is sound, your whole body is full of light. The way that they were interpreting this is that the eyes let in the light into your body and fill it with light. Light good, darkness bad. Light godly, darkness evil. So try this interpretation on for size. Jesus is saying that light has a purpose. You don't go into your living room at night, turn on the light, and then put on a blindfold. You turn on a light to bring light, to fill the room with light. These are people who are standing spiritually in front of the brightest light that will shine and they are not seeing. He's saying they've got eye problems. They need to see with new eyes. Now, my mother a while back had to get cornea replacement surgery because her eyes had cataracts. She did have this dimness in a very physical sense of the light coming in. And at some point, she just needed to replace portions of her eyes so that she could see better. I think that spiritually, we need to see the world with God's eyes. I believe that all Christians... One of the things that God is trying to do is to get us to look at the world the way he sees the world, to see the need that is there, not to see people as less than ourselves, not to see with prejudiced eyes, not to see always looking for faults. I think we need a spiritual cornea replacement surgery. We need to see with God's eyes. And when we see with God's eyes, then our body, our life will be filled with the light that is the light of God, which is Jesus. And with that, we're going to end the Bible study podcast this week. If you have any questions, feel free to leave them at thebiblestudypodcast.com. Send me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. Or again, catch me on Twitter at twitter.com slash chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth, unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.